Um, I'm going to pick one of these to use. The, can everybody hear me back okay? All right. That's good. The, um, a couple weeks ago, we took last week off. Uh, we all were supposed to go on family vacation or visit other churches or whatever you want to do with your free time. And um, So I had a lot of time to think, and, and I can say that one of my main thoughts that I had was, one, uh, I don't like missing church because I like you guys. And uh, two, I'm just, I am very thankful for this group of people. And, and um, I've been through seasons of life where God and the church world family was, it's always been the only thing that, you know, was really important to me outside of my immediate wife and family. And, and I've been through seasons where it wasn't so fun. And uh, this has been fun. And, and I know it's not a short thing. Like, we're starting something that's going to go and go and go. Um, but it's a, you guys are a very fun, easy-to-love group of people. And I do like you. And while I enjoyed being at the beach, I did miss you. <laughs> um, that's a really, yeah. That, what? That was very, very passionate from Matt. That's as personally that's emotional as I get. Passionate, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That translates to, like, showered with passionate like showered with passionate love yes um also too what makes it hard is we tend to go in um we tend to build on ideas and concepts and we keep stacking them up week after week after week um if you haven't paid attention that's kind of what we do and i don't want to uh take all that credit that's just what the lord does and it's one of the um important things about being a spirit-led church is that you you truly have to have people who press in to get the direction week after week after week because god is doing a thing he's building a thing it keeps stacking up ideas and ideas Um, it makes for less polished services it makes for less polished sermons and presentations uh, but it makes for powerful holy spirit things Um, and even if you botch a few up it's worth it if you get a few right. Yeah. Yeah. Because a more polished situation would make us all maybe a little smarter. But God doesn't need smarter Christians. We've had some of the smartest people in the history of mankind were Christians, but it didn't change the world. He needs people who are closer to Him. Yes. Which doesn't mean you know more about Him. That's, that's what we categorically, we call that intellectual assent. Is there's actually a, a fundamental belief that... Um, People study and fight and argue theology because in, in the concept of uh, intellectual ascent, the more you know about God, the closer you get to Him. And I call that, as Paul said, I count it all as rubbish yeah. or dumb. Yeah. Yeah. God doesn't need smart people. He needs close people. Intimate lovers of Jesus who walk with Him, talk with Him, who He can get over their struggles and hurdles he can um, empower you to be a conduit of His love, of His, of his um, endeavors on this earth. You become ambassadors of Him. It's a beautiful thing to truly be a child of God. John 1, and this is not where we're at today, but John 1 says that those who believed in Him were given the right to become children of God. Yeah. It's, not an, it's not necessarily... Um, a guaranteed outcome or total victory. In, and I mean, what I mean by that is 
It is guaranteed if you do what it says. Yes. Trust Jesus. Walk with Him. Live by faith. What is living by faith? Faith is the Word of God. You hear things. By faith, you believe those things. Yes. Right? I say all that to say that uh, two weeks ago when we were here last, um, this is just one example. Today was even a, 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 also a good example. You'll see this happen repeatedly in a Spirit-led movement where God will begin to speak on Sunday mornings some direction. Uh, if you already know, Dustin picks his own songs, Arcadian. And like they, they generally are very flowy with what we're talking about. What's on people's hearts? What's their, what's their victories and struggles? It's all about this, this thing that God is doing. And I don't dictate any of that or even plan any of that. It's just, I know that God is good and it'll work out. Two weeks ago, I felt that the Lord said that today, when we were in our time of prayer and worship, I said that the Lord said today is the day of reckoning. And that's God speaks in Old King James to me because that's what I... That's how I know him is through King James language. Uh, reckoning is like an, a, a balancing of accounts. A, um, it's, how you, um, it's how you settle accounts, balance accounts. It's how you make things even. It's, it, that word, is it's, we don't use it anymore, but it, you get the meaning, right? Yeah. Uh, and I said, furthermore, what the Lord, feels like what the Lord is saying is, um, uh, God is saying, uh, bring your sins and shame and guilt that you are carrying from your past to bring it to Him right now and that he was going to get on the other side of that balancing beam, that balancing scale, and he's going to just flood it with his glory, his weight, and wipe it all clean and yes. set you free. Um, that's what I said. And now, a lot of people, I've done this for years, and a lot of people hear that and they think this guy just says whatever he wants to hear. Who's to say he's hearing that? Who's to say he's not just making that up? And I can say to them, there's no way for you to know that. That's not how faith works, is it? Um, but I don't make things up. I don't say things unless I believe you'll notice some Sundays I don't say anything. I haven't heard or felt to share anything. I don't. But when I say those things, or when anybody else is inspired to say those things, it's like um, the best way I describe I'm, I'm doing all this because uh, I'll tell you later. But um, it's like God is always good and He's always doing the things that He does. But there are certain moments yes. where He is doing a thing. Yeah. Yes. And when He's doing that thing, if you can figure out where and when and what he is doing, it is a lot easier. Yes. When he is doing that thing, it is just like a free access day. It's like, yes. all right, today the faith is going to come easier. The victory is going to follow it. It's going to be more tangible outcomes. Like to, That is that moment that by faith you can be in a room and you can say, uh, that crazy guy just said whatever he wanted to and there's nobody to hold him accountable and you can walk away just like you walked in. Yeah. Or you can hear it and you can say, today's the day I put that shame on that. Because you, if, you, if I'm on point and I'm hearing God or anybody else in point, you're probably already struggling with that thing yes. that God's dealing with. Yes. And that's how you know that that is a real thing. And by faith, you give it to God and He begins to set you free. Yes. Whatever it is. That's just one example. I said that's important to explain that because I explained that more clearly uh, at the river. And turns out that right before last week, Miss Laura had had it on her heart, and she was like, "You know, we don't we don't see those moments quite as much as we as often as we did at the river." And she was thinking to ask me, "Is it ever going to be again?" And then we had that day, and then it's just God is just doing it. And now this week is a similar thing where He's it's this this theme of suffering and, and trusting God in the midst of it, and that's what the sermon's about today. Guess what? Oh yeah, sorry. So the day of reckoning. Uh, that was actually on the Jewish calendar the Day of Atonement. 
uh, Yom Kippur is the Day of Atonement. What that is, is that's the day that they would, through an observance and festival, they would observe that that was the day that God would forgive them of things. Yeah? Uh, uh, there's a lot more to this spiritual thing. And the reality is that He's always been who He is and He is, all, he is still that God. He never changes. Our understanding of Him evolves, but He does not change and He is good. I say that to say that when we sing these songs, if God moves your heart, when people are praying, if God moves your heart, that is that moment that you live by faith. You hear things that are not seen, and by faith you believe that they will be. Yes? That is living by faith. Amen? Amen. That's a prelude to getting started. Amen. Good. Good word. Um, so, real quick, we're going to be in James chapter 3 and Job 41. Um, today, but you don't have to turn there quite yet. But those are the two places we'll be. If you have real Bible, that's that you can mark those spots. Um, before we start on Job, Job is um, for those of you who have been with me for years. It is weirdly enough my favorite book in the Old Testament. Um, above all the prophetic books and story books, it, it, Job is weirdly enough my favorite book. Not my favorite because it tells the sweetest story. It's just the one that God captured my attention with as a young man and I've never been able to fully escape that captured attention of, of the book of Job. Um, the book of Job is largely misunderstood, I would argue, um, misperceived, misunderstood, mainly avoided by most Western Christians uh, for the fear that the life of Job might become contagious if they read it. Um, and, and I don't want to get too deep in the weeds of, of teaching the layers and meaning of Job today because it is one of the most, it is one of the greatest pieces of literature that has ever been written. Um, and it should be studied with the likes of Homer and other great artists of, of history that every word led to a bigger layered meaning of things. That is the book of Job in our Bible. It is, he is one of the first sacrificial lambs, uh, types and shadows of the sacrificial lambs. It is, it is truly a deep, prophetic book of all that God would ever do. And Jesus echoed those thoughts in all of His rabbinic teachings. They're just a little more palatable because they were in the form of teaching instead of life examples. Does that make sense? So, when I, so just to say all that to say, the book of Job has many layers, many meanings. They all stack up and work in unison together. By the time we get to God speaking to Job in the whirlwind, um, but God begins to reveal His power, His authority, His hand in all of nature, in all of the earth, in all that, that, that a human like Job would understand. He begins to reveal Himself in all of these things. It is the most, uh, if you ever find yourself lost and distant from God, read Job, the last five chapters of Job. It is one of the clearest places you will ever just start to slow down the, 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 the turmoil of your life and just become to realize that God is that good. Yes, uh, when we get to Job 39, 40, 41, 42, God's going to speak about some different animals. He is speaking about specific animals. True. He's speaking of their natures and how they're made. True. He's also speaking that those things, I'm, talking, I'm giving you the layers. Job is layered throughout the whole thing. Animals, yes. Their nature, yes. He's also, those things represent uh, spiritual entities, right? One of them is the Leviathan, chapter 41, where we're going to be. That spiritual entity is generally represented as Satan himself. That dra- it's, Leviathan is another is the name of a dragon. 
the dragon that shows up in Revelation in different places. Uh, we're not talking about any of that today. We're going to read the Leviathan because if you go one more layer down, you read that all of those animals with their nature and their attributes represent entities. And then you'll realize if you sit with it long enough that there's a piece of every one of those animals in your soul. And God came to save our souls. Yeah? yeah? yeah. I said I wanted to explain that now so I didn't have to stop in the middle and explain the layers and why all of that is important. I, before I get started, nobody needs to tell me that I'm the only person who loves the book of Job. I get it. <laughs> I have refrained myself from teaching it for weeks and weeks and weeks. Yes. Um, so as we read Job, just think about that with that layer in context. We are reading about the layer of yourself that aligns with and functions with and operates like the Leviathan, the dragon spirit that in Revelation tries to swallow up the baby Jesus, but God hides him from the dragon. This is, it, there's a lot of, I, I'm getting too far, sorry. That's good. We'll come back another lifetime for that. In James chapter 3, so last week, um, or two weeks ago when we were here last, I should say, we talked about lots of, uh, lots of things as usual, but the main point was, are you willing to die for what you believe in? Because, and this is a true summary, are you willing to die for what you believe in? Because if you are, then you can step into that Philippians 1.27, I believe was the actual verse, where it says that uh, do not fear for your lack of fear is evidence of your enemy's demise, destruction, perdition, and it's, and it's evidence of your salvation. And so if you can live by faith, a selfless life is what we discussed, and you can decide that you're willing to die for what you believe in, you are a bad hombre in the world of spiritual warfare yeah. that the enemy is not going to waste a lot of resources on. Yes. Yeah. If he can get you with fear, he's got you, right? Yes. We, read, we talked about the stories of um, the uh, Canaanites going against 112 of uh, uh, Hebrew people. And that the first time they went to battle that uh, God put fear in their hearts and 50,000 soldiers were afraid to fight 112 men of God. Yeah. Six years later, they came back and defeated them. Guess what? That seed of fear turned into a full-blown tree that crippled 50,000 people from fighting 112. Yeah. Fear, fear is the most crippling thing yes. on life. And, and, and that, was la that was two weeks ago. But as we got into just embracing what you believe in, what you stand for, the willingness to live and die for the Jesus and not caring which one it is really makes you pretty eternal in this life with God. It's, it's what steps you into a life that never ends. Amen? Amen. And so with that being said, uh, let's jump to James chapter 3. For my, uh, my brethren... Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. 
oddly enough, the Lord had had James chapter 3. Uh, I actually quoted James chapter 4 last week, in the, uh, two weeks ago in the sermon. And I said that, um, resist the devil and he shall f- flee. That's chapter 4. He had had this book of James on my heart for a while. Chapter 3 was, was preceding my trip to the beach where I went to museums and looked at boats and their rudders. I went to a beach where wild horses run free. They aren't tame. They don't have the, uh, the bits in their mouths. But I got to, you know, you just, God is good to lead you in the word and then lead you into life where, where things will just naturally make a little more sense. Amen. But when you think about um, these ships, the bigger the ship, the more impressive this statement is. These giant ships, really, really big ships, proportionately have a teeny tiny little rudder. And that is the thing that turns it back, left, back to the right. Straight, left, straight, right. This tiny little thing shifts this giant, enormous ship sometimes. Horses are exponentially stronger than us, bigger than us, meaner than us when they want to be. But they are scared to death of us. And if we put one little thing in their mouth, they'll go anywhere we tell them to go, including jumping off of cliffs and jumping into water. They will literally do anything if they are tamed and taught to go by that one thing. Yes? James here is writing to us that if we are able to control the most um, powerful thing in our body, the tongue, yes, then the whole body will follow. Amen? See how, um, this is verse, uh, verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Hunters start little fires. Hunters are notorious. They, they hunt and drink and start fires and start big fires. Hunters in the national forest start these little fires. Next thing, you know, if you've ever seen a forest fire, it is overwhelming. A few years back, Amherst, all the mountains burned. All of them. It is mind-blowing to see thousands and thousands of acres on fire and to think that it started with one guy drinking too much and falling asleep on his campfire. Tiny fires start out of control. No one can stop it. forest fires. Yes? Yeah. See how great a forest a little fire kindles and the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity or unrighteousness. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. The f- what? I was going to say, I really think it's powerful. My translation, that word of nature, it's actually our life. Mm-hmm. Like I just think that's really, really powerful if you, if you insert... It sets on fire the course of our life. The course of our life. Um, the original translation, direct translation, we, they changed it because we don't use this language anymore, was it sets on fire the wheel of origin. Yeah. Your life is a wheel. Yeah. It's just turning. That was a, an idea that we don't possess anymore, but that was yeah. uh, your, the wheel of origin, the course of your life. Your tongue sets it on fire. Amen? Yeah. Sets it on fire, and it is set on fire by hell. Uh, direct, direct translation would have been yeah. Kahina. Gehenna is also is often referenced as synonymous to us as hell. Gehenna was an actual place. It was where they burnt the trash outside of Jerusalem. It was the worst place on earth to Hebrew people. It's used symbolically as what we would think of as hell. So uh, when I, uh, I you'll hear me say a lot dumpster fire, uh, just in in my joking passing language, I say dumpster fire. Gehenna was the dumpster fire. Yes. 
The sad thing is in life is you're going to have dumpster fires. That's just life. The question is, how do you walk through the dumpster fire? Yes? Yeah. Starting back at 6. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is so set among the members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of human existence. And it is set on fire by the dumpster fire. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame that tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness or similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree bear, my brethren, bear olives or grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring both yields both salt water and fresh. You can take the freshest jar of glacier water you can find on this earth and drop a handful of drops of bitter root or something or salt water in it. And I assure you, every ounce of that fresh water is nasty. You can take salt water and drip fresh water in it. Guess what? Still nasty. (laughs) What this passage is telling us is you're not going to spring forth both. You're one or the other. Yeah. And I think the great deception that we make with the, 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 for the, un, the ungodly mercy we bestow upon ourselves is that God knows our heart while we spew forth both bitter blessings and cursings. Wow. It's only going to be one. And guess what? You don't get to pick which one. If bitterness is involved, you are bitter. Yeah. If fresh water is fresh, it is fresh. And the only way it stays fresh is it has to keep flowing. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Bitterness always overrides freshness in, in, in this analogy, in these, in these uh, rabbinic teachings. You are not both. You were made to be one. You choose to be the other. Yeah. But you are not those two things simultaneously. Yeah. Amen? Amen? That's not condemnation. That's yeah. just encouragement. Yeah. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget how you're made to be. Yeah. Don't forget that you can set a dumpster fire in your own heart with your own tongue. Yeah. Wow. Yes? Yeah. Why do you think in, in, when they start listing heinous sins in this New Testament, when they're pushing people to be this new covenant, graced people of Jesus, why do you think they list it like murder, gossip, Like those two things are pretty close together most of the time in that top five list. Wagging tongues set a lot of forest fires. Yes? But where does that forest fire start? In your own heart. We're meant to be a transformed people who live in peace. You can't live in peace and set forest fires in your dumpster heart. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah? We speak life. We speak blessings. We create... This, it's, 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 uh, as you speak it, so it shall be, is, this, is the running concept that we've been taught and we've tried to live by. We can create a reality through Jesus by faith that doesn't necessarily stand in front of us, but by faith we create it. Yeah. We speak it into being. We believe it. We stand for it. We hope for it. We live towards it. If you ever see people who, um, who have lived the dumpster fire life, who find faith and they say, I'm not going to be like that anymore. I'm going to believe that God is good. I'm going to believe that God's going to be there for me. I'm going to believe best in all people. 
everyone around them will just, it's like a pack of hyenas found a wounded dog. They're like, rah, you'll see. It's not going to be like that. Rah, dumpster fire spewing everywhere. But if you can see someone that has enough steadfastness to hold on to that faith, they will pioneer through and then they will go and then their life will begin to turn in that direction and go in that course. Yeah. Why? Because that's what Jesus paid the price for. Yes. Yes? Yeah. And Jesus paid that price for us to have that connection with Him that He could lead us and guide us and get us yeah. over these things, get us through these things, out of this fire, speak life over others. Why? So we need to have a great life? Sure. But so that we could share that great life. Yeah. yeah. The tongue is a two-edged sword. Yes. Yeah. It cuts down or builds up, one or the other. Yes. Yes? yes. And we go through life and we speak this blessing and we and we and we and we get into this this life of can you actually just choose by faith because that's what it says we can do to live this life. Yeah. Or are you subject to the world around you? Yeah. Are you a victim of your circumstances? Is life happening to you or are you happening to it? Mm. Yes? And we're not going to be both. Now, don't be super convicted. We all have our moments. As this chapter starts off, we all fall short. Meaning, you can speak life. You can be the source of fresh water for yourself, for those around you. For a long, long time, you can have bad moments and you can spew some bitterness. Repent. Ask for forgiveness from God above, from those around you if you need to. Get back on track of who you're made to be. You're You're not one or the other forever. You're only one or the other at a time is what I'm trying to say, right? That's good news if you've been bitter. You don't have to stay there. That's encouragement if you are the fresh water. Don't forget you can be bitter if you need to, if you decide to. Yes? So, fresh water. Speak life. Not that old wagon tongue setting forest fires all over the mountains because we like our green mountains, not our ashy mountains. Yeah? Yeah? We're not going to set these things in the course. You know, you've heard the saying, when it rains, it pours. Right? It's because when one thing throws us off our game, we fall apart. And we begin to speak death. And we begin to proclaim demise and destruction. And, oh, this is where it all falls. And guess what? And then you'll start to get evidence that you're right. Because this starts to happen. And 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 you're like, holy shnikes, it was just my time. Was it your time? Or did you just set a forest fire around yes. you? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Especially if you got kids, man. Yeah. They will fall apart in a second if you fall apart. <laughs> and then you're like, I think you feel all justified in your, in your hate and bitterness. You're like, I knew this day was going to be bad. But you're the boss. You set the fire. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Or put it out. It says a soft word turns away wrath. Yeah? Yeah? So we choose to live this life fresh or bitter. We choose to set fires, uh, good or bad, actually. You can set the the Holy Spirit fire on people and set them in that direction. Yeah, Or you can be just one more person speaking death. I actually knew a man one time, a long time, uh, before I got saved and, and shortly after I stayed with him for some time. But he had the most uncanny track record for projecting the demise of those around him. Details. In great depths. It was, I was almost 100% certain he was one of those psychics that you see on TV. He just didn't know he didn't do it for a living. He could project the exact details of how people would fall apart around him. Uh, it was on a very scary level. Um, I misunderstood it then and took me some years to figure it out. 
Uh, I even thought back then, for a man who sees the future so clearly, his life is not very good. Meaning, if I could see the future that clearly, I'd probably get a few lottery tickets or something. You know, maybe work a few, a few of these bumps out. But I had all this, you know, worldly confusion. But I knew that this guy could say a lot of horrible things and people would fall apart around him. I've later in life, I've gone in the Lord, I've figured out that God made us this way. He made certain people, I think, more naturally blessed in this area or anointed in this area because they were made by Him to be leaders for Him. They'd just been lost to the enemy and they turned their, their powerful tongue against, away from God towards the demise and destruction. You know, the first thing I ever saw him prophesy, for lack of better terms, he was a false prophet. The first thing I ever saw him prophesy in great detail that is yet to come true 20 some years later was my demise after I got saved. Great detail. He turned on me real bad because he wasn't a lover of Jesus ultimately. And he prophesied to everyone my demise. That I wouldn't make it. That I, 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 I great deed. And this dude was never wrong. Yeah. But guess what? Yes. He didn't understand the blood of Jesus. Yes. He didn't understand steadfast love. He didn't understand that God made a way for us never to fail. And He could only create darkness on those who didn't have the covering of the, of the blood of Jesus. Yes? Yeah. That is the God in your heart. That is the God who you're working with. Nothing can stop you when you're with it. But you can be that wagging tongue that sets fires, or you can be the mouth of God who speaks life and promotes people to be who they're made to be, even when you don't see it standing in front of you. That is the life of faith. Yes? Amen. Verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Two different things. Side note. If you are wise, wisdom from God, and you can actually understand what that means for you, let him show what we just read. If you understand that, let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, last two weeks ago we said that was the the demise of human existence, was being self-centered. Do you boast and lie against the truth? This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Amen? Remember, we're in the context of you're one or the other. And if you think you're both, you're not. You're the lesser. In these moments, we, we, we look to God. Remember, this tongue that's so powerful, that sets us on fire as it will. It says, it says earlier up there, that uh, the uh, sorry, the tongue so far as goes, these tongues that among them. Oh, every kind of bird, a beast, reptile, creature, sea is tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. Well, as we've explained the power of the tongue in speaking life and death in our own lives, if you weigh that against this line, verse eight, no man can tame the tongue. This unruly evil. There's hopelessness. Where do we go from here? If, 
if, if this tongue is this powerful and no man can tame it, what do we do? Now we're back to why we need Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate, only authority on the face of this earth. Jesus was all through the Old Testament in His spirit form. His spirit form, John 1.14, and the spirit became flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He became the flesh form in the New Testament. But He was all through the Old Testament. He was the rock that followed them through the wilderness. He was in the fires. He was was the Word of God. Yeah. This Word of God spoke to Job. Like we said, we're going to go to Job 41. This Word of God came to Job as He was creating this new reality for Job. And he got to um, speaking the things of nature and earth and land. By the time we get to 39, he's going to speak to the wild goats, about the wild goats, the wild donkey, the wild ox. Wild ox originally translated as unicorn. Take that however you want to. Uh, The wild ostrich and its proud wings, the mighty horse, the hawk. It, it, It gets down to one of the most powerful lines in Job 40. Job asked the question that if you have, if you, if you want to have this walk with God, you better find the courage to imagine that God is asking you, Job 40, verse 8, would you indeed annul my judgment? Would you condemn me? This is God. Would you condemn me that you may be justified? Job had made the mistake of making God bad so that he could stay good. He had made God bad. He had annulled His judgments. He had condemned God that God was not the good God who He is so that Job could still be the good guy who just had bad things happening. God said, Would you annul my judgment? Would you condemn me so that you may be justified? That is a question that if you embrace that, then this whole thing called the Word of God in the written form gets a lot clearer. Because your misunderstandings are misunderstandings and not new doctrines about who God is. Yes? Goes on down, talks about the behemoth. We're not going to discuss all these animals. We're going to get to chapter 41. The Leviathan. The Leviathan is another name for the dragon. Like I said, it's throughout the other prophetic books. He's in the heavenly realms. He's in the wars. He's in these prophetic pictures. In this particular application... We're going to, like we said, we're going to look at the Leviathan as the Leviathan within us that God is coming to overcome. This is that wagging tongue that no man can tame, but only by the grace of God, by the power of Jesus, by, the, by faith. When Jesus, when we, want to, when we want to go off and set fires, Jesus says, no, be still and know that I'm God. This is what's inside of us, all of us, until we... We'll deal with it for some time and then we'll finally crucify it. But this is what's inside of us. Chapter 41. God, the Almighty, is asking Job, can you draw out the Leviathan with a hook? Can you snare his tongue with a line which you lower? Can you put a reed through his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? He's, he's going on to say you can't tame it is what he's painting this picture. Will, you make su- will he make supplications to you? Will he speak softly to you? Will he make a covenant with you? Will he take him as a servant forever? Will you play with him as with a bird? Or will you leash him for your maidens? Will your companions make a banquet with him? Will they apportion him among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? 
Lay your hand on him. Remember the battle and never do it again. Indeed, any hope of overcoming him is false. No one not uh, shall no one not be overwhelmed at the sight of him. No one is so fierce that he would dare stir him up. Who then is able to stir stand against me? Who then is able to stand against me? Who has preceded me that I should pay him? Everything under heaven is mine, God's. I will not conceal his limbs, his mighty power, his graceful portions. Who can remove his outer coat? Who can approach him with the double bridle? Who can open the doors of his face with terrible teeth all around? His rows of scales are his pride. Do you have rows of scales? Think about it as we go. His rows of scales are his pride. Shut up tightly as with the seal. One is so near another that no fresh air can come in between them. They are joined one to another. They stick together and cannot be parted. His sneezes flash forth lightning, forest fire, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go burning lights. Sparks of fire shoot out. Smoke goes out of his nostrils as from a boiling pot and burning rushes. His breath kindles coals. A flame goes out of his mouth. Strength dwells in his neck and sorrow dances before him. He folds his flesh. The folds of his flesh are joined together. They are firm on him and cannot be moved. His heart is hard as stone, even as hard as a lower millstone. When he raises himself up, the mighty are afraid because his crashings, they are uh, beside themselves. Though the sword reaches him, he cannot avail. Nor spear, dart, javelin, he regards iron as straw and bronze as rotten wood. The arrow cannot make him flee. Sling stones become stumble. Darts are regarded as straw. He laughs at the threat of javelins. His, undersh- his undersides are like sharp shards of pot, sheards, pot shards. He spreads pointed marks in the mire. He makes the deep boil like a pot. He makes the sea like a pot of ointment. He leaves a shining wake behind him. One would think the deep had white hair. On the earth there is nothing like him which is made without fear. He beholds every high thing. He is king over the children of pride. That is the enemy kingdom. That is the enemy within us that God came to save us from. He didn't make us that way. We take him on pretty early and make him our king. And we partner with him in lies and deception and unrighteousness. And we partner with this enemy king. And he, we begin to become more and more like him in our expression. But Jesus is the king of repentance. He's the king that answers and grants us mercy when we repent. When we ask him to lead us and guide us and teach us to speak life over situations, over businesses, over families, over, over our friends, our marriages, our children. We speak the life that God shows us even when it's not standing before us. I can show you countless people who I couldn't see a bright future for them and they still don't have a bright future. Does that mean that I was right? Or is that I just didn't have faith to stand with them? I can show you and also a pretty good number of people who I could see something in them long before even they could see it. And they're still killing it for Jesus. Yeah. Yes? Somebody has to believe. Somebody has to speak new life. Create new reality. Yeah. Somebody has to stand with you while you become that thing. 
And that means you have to stand with others as they become that thing. Yes? Life is not meant to be a nothing but a Gehenna fire. We make it that way. We get stuck there. Instead of realizing that He made us like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego yeah, to go yeah. into the fire and not be burned. No. He made us like uh, Abraham and his brother. His brother didn't, what, well, no. Abraham, brother got killed. Abraham <laughs> went into the fire and didn't get burned up. Uh, he made us to survive the dumpster fire without scar, without spot and blemish. Yes? Now, the book of Job teaches us lots of things. Uh, the broader picture is that Job, on a nutshell... Job had a better life in the end of Job than at the beginning. I know that people forget that because Job sounded like he had a decent life before that got started. Job was given a better life through sacrifice and suffering and loss of what was old. A revelation of who God is produced a better life than he started with. Remember, this is Hebrew poetry. It's not meant to be like a life, necessarily a direct path for you. Like you're not going to live the life of Job the first 32 chapters necessarily. It's just a speaking to what Jesus echoed time and time again. Take up your cross and follow me. Guess what? Sinners die on crosses. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. You're not willing to lose your life for my sake. You're not worthy to follow me. If you want to be with me, you must forsake all that you know. He, over and over and over again, all the New Testament writings point to this one idea. You will lose the life that you thought was good. First Job. You will see God and you will get the one that was better than you ever imagined. Yes? Job is a big... I don't want to get too far down into Job. Yes? This Leviathan within us all, it can be dealt with. I believe it can be crucified once and for all. I believe we can be set free from self-seeking envy, bitterness, um, judgment, jealousies, envy and strife as it says. I believe because the Word tells me so that we can truly crucify this thing. Yeah. I also know that most people just manage it and let that thing out every now and then when they need to. Yeah. Because they think it protects them. Yeah. Yes? I just call it like I see them, Matt. Well, you're the Leviathan. <laughs> yeah? I'm sorry to tell you, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus yeah. didn't call him like he saw. Yeah. He did, kind of, in the Spirit. Yeah. He didn't see a woman called in adultery. He saw a child of God coming soon. Yeah? He didn't see uh, these broken and battered uh, lost men of, uh, of society. He saw future apostles to start the New Testament church. Yeah? He didn't cause them like He saw them. He created what He saw them to, to, to be. Yes? And that is who God has made us to be. We are all made to be who we are made to be in His name, His children, in His likeness. We're all made to be like Him. Yes? It doesn't mean we all come become the Messiah. We will not. It means that we will carry His attributes. We will speak life because He spoke life. Yes? Yeah. yeah. We are not made to set fires. Yeah. Dumpster fires. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Amen. So, uh, next time when we're in here, and going back to where we started, when, we, when somebody feels this unction from the Lord to stand up and share something, Believe you me, they're probably not just microphone hungry. If they were, they'd be in a bigger group than this working harder. Yeah? It's too easy to get the mic here for that. I mean, you've noticed real quick who had it all the time. But uh, 
if they feel that they have probably been heard it from the Lord, they've probably said, I don't want to do that right now. And they've probably been prodded by the Lord. They've probably said, God, give me some kind of sign. And they had a burning feeling in their heart. And they've been pushed to share something because they felt something from the Lord. Yes? And that, whoever it is, believe by faith. Search your heart. Am I struggling with this right now? Well, I am. Turns out all week long I've had dreams and things and, and God's dealing with this. Let's just deal with it. Amen. Let's get on with it. Yes, yeah. I, can, I believe that I, I have seen people burdened down with weight, shame, guilt, struggles. And years later, nobody even believes that they ever had a problem. Their greatest struggle in ministry is that people will say, well, you wouldn't know. It's always come easy for you. Yeah. That's because that's how good God is. Amen? Yeah. It doesn't matter if they understand. It's just, it's just that's how good God is. Yeah. But you have to live by faith. When, yeah. when, 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 it is, when it comes to the surface, step into it. Amen. Amen? And if you have <laughs> set fires in your own life or in those around you, stop. Yeah. Create new realities. Put those fires out. Ask for forgiveness if you need to. If you have a habitual habit of setting those fires, force yourself to apologize every time. You'll stop talking. Yeah? yeah? Amen. So Jesus, we just ask you today, Lord, minister to our heart. The power of the tongue. We ask you, Lord, to. In, you said in, in, in James four, it says that that we, if we love the world, we are at enmity with you. If we spew bitter water, we can't be fresh. If we speak death, we can't be life. Jesus, you were the way, the truth, and the life. And we want to be like you, yeah. Lord. You said you would conform us into your image. Yeah. We want to be like you, Jesus. We want to carry your name. We want to carry your attributes. We want to be the speakers of life and we want to live in life. Yes. We want to create new realities for us where we get to be at peace. You said at the end of James 3, you inspired James to tell us that the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. We all know we don't just keep peace. Keeping peace can be brutal that, that most people misinterpret keeping peace with uh, into that to keeping peace and that idea that they would just get run over for the rest of their life we're not keeping peace we're making peace we're creating peace you said when you release the disciples to go you said when you step into a house release your peace it'll come upon them and change them let us sow righteousness in peace let us make that peace and release it into the atmospheres around us. Let us speak life. Let us put out the dumpster fires we've started. And we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for this time, for this fellowship. We ask you, Lord, to continue giving us directions for our next steps, our next moves. We ask you, Lord, to continue to bless us uh, as, we, as you lead us financially in making decisions, as we develop the, the children's programs for our kids to have the best fighting chance they have at being the next generation of saints. We thank you, Lord, for all the sacrifices from the worship team and the children's workers, the prayer warriors standing in the gap, interceding for, uh, for us here at, at Dayspring and then those around them. We thank you, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. 
for believing lies about who we are. Give us grace to believe who you made us to be. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you have any tithes and offerings, we put them in the box or online. If you need prayer for anything, please feel free to come up and ask. We'd love to pray with you. Other than that, I'm hoping some people brought some food. I didn't see. Maybe. We'll eat. If not, we'll fast together. That'll be fun too. Amen.